listening to The Big Lift, the podcast of Web Trends Optimize, the CRO solution that enables marketers and developers to maximize the ROI from their digital properties. Web Trends Optimize is a powerful, feature-rich, and easy-to-use solution, all delivered within a fixed-price contract, with no additional cost for increased functionality, ever. During these podcasts, we meet some of the key influencers within the testing and conversion world to understand their roles and examine their challenges. Today, I'm in conversation with Elise Mayo, an independent CRO consultant that specialises in helping SMEs to get the most from their website. As well as working for smaller companies, Elise has also worked alongside a number of charities, which provides her with a broad experience of both commercial and not-for-profit challenges. Elise, your client base is a mix of charities and SMEs, all at different um, levels of their evolution as far as CRO is concerned. So how are these smaller companies embracing CRO? Well, I mean, it really depends on the company. Um, So the charities are obviously uh, going through a bit of a tough time with COVID-19 right now. So even even historically, there's always been a big focus with charities on um, sort of that education piece. It's not just about fundraising. It's not just about getting more money in the pot. They're also trying to make sure that the people that they're trying to help are aware that their services are there and trying to help them. Um, so in terms of embracing CRO, I think there's a big piece with charities around sort of understanding whether their users understand the support that's there for them. Um, and for the smaller companies, I think they're like in a much better position to do CRO. You know, they're um, they're smaller, there's less white tape to try and get through. So they have that, they have a better opportunity to be customer first and to really think about what their customers want and need and then pivot their marketing and pivot their product based on customer feedback. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's the main things I see around SMEs and around charities. Um, the really interesting thing about charities, I find, is that variety of different user goals. And it was something I hadn't thought about before I started working with charities. And then as soon as you sit down, you have conversations with all of the different departments, you suddenly realize, oh, wait, no, they, you know, it's not, it isn't just about money or, you know, getting donations in, it is about education as well. So no, I find it really interesting there. And how do you manage to balance the needs of multiple stakeholders in CRO? Because often you're driven by someone who's interested in conversion rate optimization, mm. which in turn equals money. And in charity work, you've got that, but you've also got that educational piece that also has a voice and therefore you may have one or two different masters yeah that's valid um and it comes up quite a lot especially in the larger charities um i'm really lucky in the sense that normally if i'm working in a charity someone has someone someone who's a stakeholder is already an advocate for cro and is already on board with it and they tend to have those connections with higher up stakeholders to sort of turn around and go look we know that you want to get more money in, but also this is our main goal as a charity. So quite often I'm not the one, even the one that has to do that fighting. Um, but when I do have to try and get that message across, getting all those people in a room, those different stakeholders in a room to actually talk it through and go, look, it, it's not all about the money. The money is important. The money is what pays you and it's what pays me, but it's not. that's not the be all and end all. Um, and I think... 
from my experience, most of the people working in charity are already of that certain mindset where they're trying to do their best. They want to help people. That's why they're working in the charity sector. So getting them to move away from the idea that it's all about conversion rates and it's all about money is it's actually a little bit easier in charities than you would think. It must be quite refreshing because a lot of the time you must be focused on delivering a return on investment, especially for small businesses. But obviously in a charity, is there much more of a balance between the return on investment and the education piece? So I don't think that ROI is the best way to measure the success of a CRO programme. Um, there's a multitude of reasons why I think that and partly it's because uh, you have peaks and troughs throughout the year I mean for example look at coronavirus this year that's had a massive impact on many different companies uh, revenue over the last six months actually it's been going on for so long Um, so judging CRO based on ROI during that time period it isn't going to work and I think Although it's something you have to bear in mind, no matter what program you're doing, no matter what company you're working for, ROI still has to be thought about. But there's a bigger aspect, which I believe is to do with being customer first and user focused and making sure you've got the best user experience you can have. Now, the interesting thing with CRO is that, as you said earlier, um, quite often the focus is on conversion rates and increasing revenue and driving up those conversion rates but in order to improve those conversion rates and that revenue quite often the the changes you're making are to do with that user interface and if you're improving the user interface you are effectively improving that user experience and the whole idea is that by improving that user experience you're going to make it a smoother experience for your customers They're going to find it easier to find the information that they're looking for. And as a result, you're going to increase that customer loyalty. So over a prolonged period of time, you're going to have better customer loyalty, which means more money in the longer run. Um, So it all kind of plays into that ROI. But I think I think people get stuck on looking at that as opposed to thinking about, you know, are we just improving this for the user? Because that's the ultimate goal. So just taking a little step backwards. What's your approach to gaining and retaining new clients? And what intrigues me is who are the people inside these smaller clients that are the point of contact for CRO? It really varies. Um, I mean, in terms of of gaining clients, there's a lot of uh, recruiters that I go through, um, sort of scouring job boards, but also word of mouth, especially in those smaller companies. Um, So I do... I do workshops with startup incubators where I spend a day doing user testing and an education, educational presentation around what UX and CRO is. And I've had times where some of those startups have come back to me a year or two later going, we have a little bit of budget. Um, could you help us out? So that, in effect, is a bit of word of mouth. And most of those smaller companies normally have someone who I've worked with previously or I've dealt with them in some way who've turned around and gone, I know a person that can help us with the UX, with the CRO, um, a little bit of development uh, and, you know, let's get her on board. So in terms of the people, that's how I tend to gain new clients and retention comes out of that as well. You know, if I've done a good job, then the chances are I might end up working with someone in another role where I've worked with them previously. In terms of the people who I'm dealing with in those, especially in those smaller medium companies, 
It really depends. Uh, a lot of the time it's marketing or product. Um, that seems to be where where these smaller companies have already invested some time and money. So they already have a team there and they are interested in UX and they're interested in CRO. You know, it's something that they've, they're either doing in-house a little bit themselves or they're looking at potentially getting an agency in, but they can't maybe afford the agency. So most of the time I'm working with head of marketing, head of product, um, product management, those sort of roles. In these smaller businesses, is it always the website manager that takes the lead on CRO? Um, it's quite often varied across the different businesses. A lot of the time, especially in those smaller companies uh, where I've gone in to do that UX and CRO piece, they might not even have a website manager. They might have um, they might have sales and marketing and product who are all feeding into the website, but they don't necessarily have someone owning the website itself. In which case my role as a CRO consultant can quite often turn into a bit of a website manager position as well, where you're really having a look at the SEO on the website, the way that everything is uh, communicated, like the copy, the uh, structure of the website. Um, So quite often that CRO position can involve some of that website management as well. And typically I'm working with marketing who's main goal is to drive traffic to the website um, which isn't something that I particularly specialize in so I'm normally quite happy to take over that website management piece as well as the UX and CRO and improving those conversion rates whilst working alongside a marketing manager who can tell me more about the personas more about their audience more about their marketing strategy and that way I can shape their website to match both the product and their marketing strategy. You mentioned that the marketing departments are there primarily to drive traffic to the website. Do you get involved in the area of PPC at all? Um, No, I don't tend to dabble in the PPC. I I dabble in email. Um, I do some email marketing and uh, some email experimentation and testing. PPC, I find that even the smaller companies tend to already have someone who is who has far more expertise than I do at PPC. So I'm happy to let them get on with it. Um, I already have quite a varied skill set. I feel a little bit like a jack of all trades, master of none um, already without sort of adding PPC onto that. Um, so I'm, I'm more than happy to let others others rule the whole PPC, social media, all of that <laughs> stuff. And I can focus on the user's experience once they get to the website. Another comment with regard to driving traffic to the website. In the smaller size of business, surely the level of traffic that comes to the website can potentially be a big problem. By that, I mean the level of traffic obviously means that CRO tests may take a lot longer to prove statistical significance. So do you have a minimum traffic threshold that your prospect needs to reach before they become a client? No, not at all, because because I have the experience with UX um, I quite often will turn around and say, look, we might not be able to run an A-B test or we can run an A-B test or an experimentation and we won't reach statistical significance, but we're getting some data from doing that experience and from seeing how people interact with it, even if it's not statistically significant, which is slightly controversial, I think, in the world of CRO. But when you're dealing with slightly smaller companies, you have to turn around and go, look, this is an option. We have to be 
careful about the decisions we make off the back of this, but it's better than making a decision with no data whatsoever. And the thing I preach to a lot of the startups that I give workshops to and that I support and help out is that you might not be able to do A-B testing right now, but you can do UX. You can gather that qualitative information. You can do user testing sessions. You can speak to potential customers and you can get all of this really, really valuable feedback, which might not be um, statistically significant, but it's going to help you improve your product. It's going to help you um, improve the business over time and hopefully grow. And then when you've grown a bit and you have more traffic, then you can start doing some full experimentations and and think about that. But I feel like UX and CRO are so closely intertwined because both are about improving the user experience that um, just because you can't run A-B tests because you don't have enough traffic, it doesn't mean you can't learn something about your customers and be customer first anyway. Talking about customer first, as an independent CRO specialist, how do you deal with your clients? I mean, what's your day like? Do you dedicate specific days to different clients or mix and match depending upon their needs? Um, I generally like working for more than one company at a time. Uh, it depends on the contract. Uh, it depends on the state of the market <laughs> in general. Um, historically, since I've been contracting, I do generally have at least two contracts on the go. At the moment, I have four. Wow. <laughs> which is yeah, it's it's a bit of a handful. That um, sounds like a whole lot of pressure to put on oneself. <laughs> um, I like it. The way I tend to the way I tend to manage my time is uh, I I tend to split it into days. I I don't like working hour by hour. Uh, I don't have I I can't be bothered to note down every single hour that I spend doing something. Life's too short for that, and the issue with the issue with the way that I work is that I spend a lot of time thinking about CRO and thinking about the research that I've done and coming up with ideas and hypotheses and those things are really hard to put a time to so typically I will say to a, a client I'm available three days um, and you know client A will be Mondays and Tuesdays client B will be Wednesdays and Thursdays and then client C might be Fridays and then yeah as I say I've got four clients at the moment and they're all over the place and a bit choppy but um, it seems to be working. That's quite a balancing act with having to deal with four companies at once. Mm. I was reading one of your white papers recently and you talked about CRO soft skills and you mentioned that CRO specialists need to be both curious and flexible. Yes. What do you exactly mean by that? So I'll start with flexible. So obviously working with four different clients, I do have to be flexible. If uh, if something comes up and it's quite urgent, then you know I tend to check my emails for other clients, maybe at lunchtime or first thing in the morning to see if anything urgent has come up. That's part of being flexible. Mm -hmm. But in terms of CRO and UX, I think there's another aspect to it where I'm a big advocate of, of planning. This is how I manage to work for contracts at a time is that I'm very organized. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> in terms of being flexible, I need to make sure that I've planned in some time for disruptions. So when I'm putting together a roadmap of experiments or I'm looking at the upcoming pieces of research I need to do, 
I'll make sure that I've got a, a bit of time in to turn around and say, okay, well, if this test tells me something and I need to, uh, I need to make an amendment to that quickly, or if there's a business requirement that comes up, I need to make sure I have got time to respond to that business requirement, especially when you're working, working with marketing teams and they have these campaigns which have deadlines. Sometimes there could be a failure in communication where they've not told you that the deadline is next week. So there's, it's important to be flexible to the business requirements and, and plan in that time to say, right, I can respond to this this week because I've built in a bit of time to be flexible. Um, and in terms of curiosity, again, I think to be in CRO and UX, you have to be curious in the first place. Um, and most people I've come across within the industry do have that curiosity. They they want to understand why things happen the way they happen or why users behave a certain way or what this means. But I think there's also a way for you to train yourself to be more curious. And that's simply having a list of questions to ask yourself, you know, who is this person? Why are they doing it this way? What is their ultimate goal? So whenever you're coming up with hypotheses or whenever you're doing that analysis piece, you can go back to those questions and say, right, I need to ask these, ask myself these questions and then try and find an answer in the data that I have. So the who, what, where, when and how are fundamental to that. Yeah, exactly. Do the companies you work for ask the same questions of you or do you have to promote that methodology to them? Um, again, it depends. Uh, I find the smaller companies tend to get on board much faster than the larger companies simply because I tend to go in, explain my methodology, explain my ways of working, talk about different communication styles, which is something I'm a big advocate about. And they tend to respond in kind where, you know, if I explain to them, I'm going to build in a bit of flexibility in order to respond to any business requirements that come up. It means that they tend to be thinking ahead going, Elisa's built this time in, that's great but I want to make sure that she's aware of it beforehand. It's a bit of give and take. And I think if you build those relationships to begin with, then they're more likely to be responsive to you when you're asking them favours and when you're trying to explain your ways of working, they're more likely to take that on board because you've spent that time to explain your methodology and to build that relationship in the first place. It's interesting you ask about relationships because the next question I was going to ask was... Do relationships with businesses tend to be different post-COVID than they were pre-COVID? I'd say probably yes. Um, I think that's something that I noticed right at the beginning of the outbreak was around those companies who decided to reach out to their customers and put their customers' minds at ease around deliveries and around how they were keeping their own employees safe they were the ones that are more likely to still be in business and to have increased that customer loyalty so i think that's that's a really interesting observation because i've i've noticed something similar and i think it's actually only a really subtle shift when you're spending a lot of time online and like i've been doing looking for work during the lockdown building those relationships quickly and having a sense of humour and connecting with people remotely has been something that we've all had to learn. And the people that have learned to do it and the businesses that have learned how to do that 
are the ones which are, are still succeeding. I do certainly think that the barriers have been eroded somewhat. Mm. It's become less formal, which is a good thing. And it's become much more about the importance of people than it used to be. Yes, definitely. I I'd definitely like to see more businesses thinking that way as well, not thinking about their their bottom line all the time, but thinking about their employees and thinking about their customers and how they can help out the wider community. Again, I think building that trust and building that loyalty is what's going to see them survive. Yeah, agreed. Here at Web Trends Optimize, we offer smaller businesses a self-service model where we believe that's probably the best place for people to start if they're looking to dabble their toes into CRO. But from what I've been listening to you over the last 20 minutes or so, I feel that perhaps they need more of a hand-holding than just a self-service model. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think those, um, those size companies fall into one of two traps. The first is overconfidence, where they have someone who works in the marketing team or the product team who has maybe dabbled in CRO, read a couple of articles, has come up with a load of test hypotheses, and they dive in and they start running tests, but because they're not following best practices, because they don't have that analyst background, they aren't iterating and learning as much as they could without having some support from a CRO specialist or from an agency. And I think the other trap that a lot of those smaller companies fall into is, again, having someone in marketing or product who has maybe done some testing in the past, but it's not their full time job you know, their full-time job is in marketing or it's in product development. It's not doing that UX research and, and doing that CRO piece, in which case CRO tends to fall between the cracks a little bit where they just don't have the time to dedicate to it. So having someone who can come in and support them, whether it's, like I say, an agency or an individual, can really help them to level up their CRO and to make sure they're getting the most out of that tool. It seems like within both of those scenarios, you need to tread very carefully to engage with people in those departments so that you can get what you want and at the same time ensure that they too get what they want. Definitely. Um, I've, worked, I've worked with companies that have been in both of those. I'd say that the companies where they know that they need support are the ones which are easier to work with because you know, they've already looked around for someone to help support them. So going in to help them is much easier because they're already on board with it. They're already saying, oh, thank goodness you're here. Thank goodness that someone knows what they're doing and can really help us with this. The companies who are overconfident are the ones where you have to tread, tread a lot more carefully simply because they think that they already know what they're doing. So it quickly turns into more of an education piece. But in a really careful way so as not to upset them because they think that they already have the answers but they don't. Yes, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. <laughs> it certainly can be. I've come to the part where I ask a couple of what I would describe as quick fire questions where you don't need to be able to spend too much time in your answer, just a quick reaction. So, WYSIWYG or code? code all the time WYSIWYG is so locked down and restricted I mean I'm also a, a developer so I'd go straight for the code every time uh, WYSIWYG has its time and its place but with me there is no time or place server side or client side 
server-side is the future as frustrating and difficult as it can be to get server-side testing up it's the only way CRO is going to survive long term what with the death of the third party cookie but if you're a smaller business who's just trying to get your foot in the door in terms of CRO client side is going to be way faster to set up and start running stuff so it's a bit of a toss-up um the future is server side ABN versus MVT oh there's a time and a place for both uh, I'd lean towards ABN to be honest um I haven't run very many MVT tests in my time because either the traffic levels weren't high enough for it or there just wasn't the use case for it where an ABC, D, E, F <laughs> test could have done the same thing. <laughs> Elise, thank you very much. It's been great. I had a really enjoyable time at this end. Hope you did the same at your end. And I hope to be able to invite you back at some future point and um, we'll speak soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's It's been really, really enjoyable having a chat and having a think about CRO and UX. It's been a pleasure.